Nice to see the uh, music stand up so high. I'm not sure who did this, but Shaquille O'Neal is not coming today, so we can lower that just a little bit. There we go. That is wonderful. Um, um, Brother David, thank you for the message last week. Uh, I trust that you were encouraged and stirred up and, and that you're sharing his message with a few hundred of your most intimate friends, um, be it online or wherever it might be. Um, lots of good stuff going on, lots of things happening, and we're blessed to be a, to be a part of it. Um, we wanted to uh, create a folder of blessings and, and uh, great things that God is doing on our journey. And so if you have a specific testimony regarding the uh, garage sale that we had, I think it was two weeks ago, um, we'd like to record it and create this folder so that at different times we can look back and we can share it with others, uh, either from the front or whatever, uh, something that was unique. Maybe there was something that God did that you, that you thought was really cool, but we haven't heard about it yet. So uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, Tanya will be available after service to video that for you. That's right. So she's like, what? <laughs> and uh, like to, uh, we just want to create a folder for that, uh, if that seems, um, that seems like a good thing. And um, um, yeah. Yeah, mission stuff. Uh, uh, you know, we we oftentimes get so focused on our struggles and our issues here in America that are very real and they're relevant, a- and we have to be the church in 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 um, you know the answer is Jesus. Whatever the problem is, the answer is Jesus. And and yet, when, when I look at these videos, and I see people who are literally starving to death. Not because, not because um, they don't have the desire or because they don't want to, but because they don't have it. Like seed. Seed. I mean, and then, and then I see the smiles on those faces. It humbles me. It, it makes me just, it humbles me. And I just think, wow, we need to all go to Burundi to get a reality check and to go, okay, you know what? Thank you for blessing. You know, they're, they're sending a video to you thanking you for your participation and your blessing. You're literally providing food for them. And, and yet we are the ones who are so blessed to be honored to participate with those dear brothers and sisters. And those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you know you had family in Burundi? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew that, but I didn't know that. But I saw faces and, oh man, it's exciting to be a part of the work of the Lord. Uh, I am so thankful that, that his work transcends uh, uh, my house and my neighborhood, my city, my state. Uh, my nation, but it's worldwide, and we get to be a part of it. Let's all stand up, uh, would you please, and um, uh, let's let's get into God's Word in the few remaining moments that I have left, because there's so much good, <laughs> there's so much good stuff going. Are you guys okay this morning? Do we need to crank the air up a little bit? You don't have to make some noise and applause. And uh, I just I just feel like we're tired this morning. Well, you know what? We ain't tired yet. We we we're still we're and if we are tired, we're still pursuing. 
We're still pursuing. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for what you have already done. And Lord, I, um, I thank you for the ability that you have given us to, to receive from you. And we have already received so much. We've worshiped together and that, the, the, the song that we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, yes, Lord. We thank you for your presence here, that the holy God who created all things, everything, not some things or most things, but all things is here with us. Your spirit is here. Jesus, you are residing in us and you are in our midst. And so as we open your word this morning, O oh God, having worshiped and having uh, worshiped you through music and song and through uh, the testimonies of what's happening in South Sudan and Burundi and, and, and parts beyond, God. We worship you now as we receive your word. And Lord, may your word, may we not just receive it, but may we, may we, may we chew on it, God. And may it, may it cause us and stir us to action and most importantly, to look more like Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith and of all things, and we give you all the praise and all the honor, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. So I want to talk to you about, about consecration. Consecration. It's not a word that we use too often. If someone were to speak to you and say, well, you know what, brother, I'm having a season of consecration, you might go, huh? Well, we're going to talk about what that is. Um, I want to also talk about preparation, consecration, preparation. And I want to say, I want to start off by, by saying that I was, I was being a little nostalgic uh, uh, last, yesterday, and I was thinking back to some preparation back in the day. When you get old, you can say back in the day. You know, when a 30-year-old says, well, you know, back in the day, I'm like, brother, you can't even use that expression. You ain't that old to be back in the day. Back in the day was black and white photos. Back in the day was when you had the negatives for your film. That some, how many of y'all still got negatives in your things? Somebody's, look at all the hands go up. God is moving. I see your hand back there. Yes, brother, I saw your hand over there. Anyway, um, so, so I was being a little nostalgic, and, I, and I, I was thinking about preparation. And, you know, when I played basketball, uh, one of the things that Coach Sarkanian uh, was, was so gifted at was preparation. In particular, if we had a big, big home game and you give him, I, I just, I remember thinking this as an 18-year-old who knew nothing, right? I just remember thinking, you know, you give us a week to prepare and it doesn't have to be seven days. I mean, you know, four, five, six days, give us some time to prepare and you give Coach Tarkanian and his assistants the time to, 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 to get us ready. I really thought we can beat anybody at home, especially. And this is back in the day when we used to play at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Yes, look it up. It's amazing. We used to play in this spaceship thing called the Rotunda. And if you lived in Las Vegas for a long time, the place was rocking, right? Anyway, I don't want to get too nostalgic because I'll go off on all that stuff. That's not my point. But I was looking back because I was thinking about some of the games that we played where we had that preparation and and some of the teams that were really, really good teams. There was a team, for example, called uh, USF, University of San Francisco. And they were really, really good, like a top 10 team in the nation. And they came to Las Vegas, and, I mean, we ambushed them. They, we beat them 117 to 82. 
Now, you can do the math and figure, now, brother, I know you get this, right? We play University of Maryland, and we beat them 88 to 94. Not so impressive, but it was a top 10 team. We play University of Arizona. Now, full disclosure, the University of Arizona 100 years ago is not the same as today, but still, they were a really, really good team. We beat them 117 to 79. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you call running rebels. Anyway, I don't want to get off on that, right? Uh, but my point of, of using an earthly illustration that means nothing was this, is that, is that we were prepared and we felt like we could beat anybody. And here's the thing, we had everything we needed to win. Everything. We had everything we needed. Keep that in mind as we get back into the book of Judges and we talk about this next judge who would be raised up. And it's appropriate that we would begin this series about a man named Samson who was a judge. Now, if you've been with us for the last number of, of months, uh, you, you know that we've been in the book of Judges and watching this cycle that the people of Israel keep falling into. And we have our own cycles that we fall into as well, but we'll get to that later. And the cycle is that, is that they, would, they would sin and begin to worship idols. And then that sin would cause them to be enslaved by an enemy because God would raise up an enemy uh, 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 for his people. And, and, and after, after some point in time, and, you know, uh, 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 and, and we'll see today, 40 years of slavery, and, and then, they, then they cry out to God in supplication, and, and they finally they, they ditch the idols that can't help them, and they go to the answer. The answer is, is God. And they, and they cry out to God, and God, because he's mercy and kind, so he sends a, a, a deliverer that brings salvation. And then they have this season of peace and serenity. And, and, they, and they have that. And then, and then what happens? Oh, all the idolatry and the pull of the culture. And, it, and all this, you know, the lure of, if you're a fisherman, you know that a lure is not real, but it's designed to fake fish out and to make them think that this is good food and the fish bite and they get hooked and then they're at your dinner table, right? Well, sin is the same way. It looks good. It smells good. We think it's great and then we bite and then we find out we get ensnared. Um, so in this particular case, uh, the intro to chapter 13, if you want to open your Bibles, or which I encourage you to, I know everyone has a phone, multiple translations, and you can, yeah, but when you have your Bible in your hand, you're able to cross-reference, and you're able to circle things, and draw lines, and all kinds of, I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, uh, we'll put up stuff, stuff on the screens for you, but okay, it's been 40 years of slavery for the people of God, by brutal taskmasters, and they are enslaved because they have drifted from God and worshiped false idols. And idols can never set you free. They, they give you the appearance at the beginning that they can, but they can never set you free. Worshiping idols always leads to slavery every time. 
It's the way it is. And if you stay in some form of idolatry long enough, you will see that it does not bring freedom. And I know that because many of us have been idolatrous people and we've worshipped things or people or substance or whatever it is only to find out that we were ensnared by the very thing that we gave our heart and soul to. Can I get an amen to that? Maybe there's a few witnesses here. I know next service there'll be many people that'll be shouting. Someone could run up and down the back and thank the Lord for no longer bound. Anyway, here's the good news is that there's freedom for the people of God. Uh, It says in Romans chapter 6 verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You get the picture there, the Amplified Bible says sin, it reigns and it rules. And you go, oh, I I don't, nothing rules over me. I'm a free man. I'm not, nothing reigns over me. Yes, you're, you're free. You're, you're a slave to your own desires. You're, you're bound up by your pride or your anger or whatever it is. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. That's a choice, by the way, uh, so that you obey its lusts and its passions. Verse 13, do not go on offering members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer, yeah, here's the contrast, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive, raised from the dead to new life, for uh, and your members, uh, all of your abilities, sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness, yielded to God. And he says this in verse 14, For sin will no longer be master over you, for you sin, uh, uh, since you are not under law as slaves, but under unmerited grace, as recipients of God's favor and mercy, And that's the good news, people, is that sin, sinful passion, sinful desires do not have to reign and rule over you because we're not under the law, but we're under the grace of Jesus Christ. And we say thank you, Lord, to that. Unfortunately, in this particular case in Judges 13, we don't read about these people crying out to the Lord for deliverance. It's interesting. There's, There's sin and there's slavery but we don't read about their supplication. In fact, it seems that they kind of want to appease the enemy and just keep things quiet in their bondage. And Judges chapter 15, verse 9 through 13 indicates that. Well, everything seems quiet. It's been 40 years of bondage, slavery, by a harsh, brutal taskmaster. Everything seems quiet, but God is always active. You never know what's happening on the other side, the, what you cannot see. Believers in Jesus are filled with anticipation because we worship a God that is sovereign over all creation. And just because we don't see him moving doesn't mean that he's not moving because sometimes he moves in unseen ways because he sees all things. And so we have hope and we have anticipation in the worst of circumstances because we know that God, can, God sees that too. And God's doing something. Oh, oh! we had a, a, a burial Friday for a Charisma and her family. It was her mom and dad. And it was a, a, a kind of a burial ceremony. Their, their parents have 
passed on long ago, but, but this was the time to bring the ashes together, and it was this beautiful thing, and, 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 it, and it was filled with hope and anticipation of the resurrection to come and eternal life. And it was filled with the, with the idea that this is not the last time that we'll, we'll see our parents. And, and it, 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 it wasn't an easy thing to do. This was kind of like the finality. You know how like that, that, that burial is like, okay, f- that's like the end. And so there was, there was every bit of that. But, it, but there was also this anticipation that even in death, we can celebrate life because it's not the end. Um, uh, so the same God, this same God that allowed his people to be enslaved is about to change their situation and set them free. And they're not even crying out to him. But because of his great love for them, he intervenes in their circumstance. Oh, You never know what God's doing on the other side. I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? What are you praying for? What are you you laboring over? You know what? You never know what's going on on the other side. You've been praying for someone. You've been laboring over some situation. You never know what God is up to. And I would encourage you that you may not see results. You might start praying and it might get worse. No, you keep on praying because you never know what God is up to in some someone's heart. Can you say amen to that? We look at things and we say, this is pointless. This is not working. I'm wasting my time. No, you're not. Some of you are in the kingdom of God because of the grace of God and because someone was praying for you. I've seen your high school yearbooks. Some of you were voted most unlikely to be a Christian. (laughs) And you know how that is. People heard you went to church and they tilt their head and go, what? You go to church? Oh, I got to see this. Use it as an opportunity to bring people to church because they can't believe that you go to church. This I got to see. Come on, man. Why wouldn't you invite them heathens? You used to be one, but by the grace of God. Don't give up. The sovereign God of the universe is about to visit a woman who's been barren her entire life which means she's unable to have children. And there was a stigma in this society that somehow her womb was cursed. We, we understand there's all kinds of reasons for that now, but back then it was like, oh, God's closed her womb. Too bad for you. It says nothing about that, but we know the culture of the time dictates that. She's unable to have children her entire life. She's about to have a visitation and hear some astonishing news. Judges 13 verse 3 says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Oh, oh, time out, time out. Can we just spend a little, I know this ain't Christmas time. But can we just spend a little moment on this? By the way, hello to our online audience. We love you. Stay connected. Okay, then pancakes, flip them over. Get the blueberry syrup on it and join us. Come on now, don't miss this. Turn it up, turn it up. Wake the kids up. They need to hear it anyway. Don't miss the profundity said with utter simplicity. We read things like this as followers of Christ and people of the Word of God, and we can have a tendency just to read it and just keep right on going. Don't miss this, that the angel of the Lord appeared to her. 
She saw the angel of the Lord, whom I believe is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. She saw him with her own eyes and said to her, not only did she see him, but she heard him. God visits his people and God speaks to his people. And God still does that today. It's remarkable. The God of the universe who spoke the stars into existence speaks to his people today. And he speaks to you. And he speaks to me. Hebrews chapter 1 says this in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these last days or these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus is the message of the Father. If you want to know about God, know about Jesus. If you want to know about Jesus, read his words. Read the word of God, and God will speak to you and speak through you. Jesus is the message of the Father. Listen to what Jesus says. Do what he says. Sometimes when people ask, when I invite people to church, and we, we talk about, well, what kind of religion is it? That's a good question. I say, you know, we're just people who just love God and try to do what Jesus said to do. That, that's essentially who we are. We listen to him, we do what he says, and we try to follow it. It's not so much that Jesus brought a message from the Father, but he is the message of the Father. We believe here that we we need to believe and then we need to do, that the two go together, but believing happens first and and then we do. And we believe because of the message. Don't miss the the, the, the amazing, amazing situation where she hears and he said, he said, indeed, now you are barren, but. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Like if you were to sit with her and say, like, what's the one thing in life that has been hard for you? What's the, what's the like, like if you could ask God anything, what would it be? What's, the, what's been your biggest point of hurt in your life? I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but I bet you it would be the barrenness. Sometimes the Lord allows me to experience barrenness to bring honor to him. Why did this man sin, Jesus? Or was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? Neither. But the man has the withered hand, I believe it was, or was it blindness? Oh, I can't remember. He has the withered hand uh, for the glory of God. It was barrenness for him. It was weakness for him. Sometimes the Lord allows me to experience barrenness to bring him honor. Sometimes he reserves the right to touch me in my barrenness and bring fruitfulness out of it by changing it. Sometimes he brings fruitfulness by leaving me in it. What I sometimes see as lack or barrenness, God sees as an opportunity to bring glory and honor to him. My guess is that Samson's mother never imagined that God had something so incredible planned for her in her, in her greatest barrenness 
she probably figured, you know what, I haven't even thought about it anymore. But maybe there was this ray of hope deep within her. We don't know what doesn't say that. Because you never know what God's up to. You never know what God's planned on the other side. You never know how God will take our weak spots, our spiritual brokenness, and our barrenness and use it for His glory. That's why testimony is so important. People need to hear not just the glorious parts, they need to hear the warts and all. So they might say, if God can do that in your life, He can do it in my life. Can you say amen to that? My testimony is one of spiritual barrenness brought to fruitfulness, not because of me, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's reason enough to bow down and lay our crowns at the foot of Jesus. You know, the more that you do this, if you're honest with yourself, the more you recognize it ain't got nothing to do with you. (laughs) And it is all Him and His grace. My goal is that I would be like Job who after having lost everything said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm working on it. How about you? (laughs) The angel of the Lord. We've talked about him multiple times before. This message that she receives, she's one of four women in the entire Bible who received this message of a child who's barren and receive a child. You remember Sarah, Abraham's wife? How about Elizabeth? Yeah? Or uh, John the Baptist's mother? Or how about, what's the last one? Mary. Ah, she heard this message from an angel, from Gabriel the angel. Can you imagine? A message from the angel of the Lord. And the message is, you will conceive a son. We've seen the angel of the Lord before, even in Judges, in chapter 2, in chapter 3, in chapter 5, he's the captain of the Lord of hosts. And in chapter 6, remember Jephthah, mighty warrior. It was the angel of the Lord. It shows you the significance and the importance of the message that the angel of the Lord delivers it. And it tells me that Jesus was well active, and moving in the lives of his people before Bethlehem ever happened. Verse 4 says, Now therefore, please be careful. This is the message of the angel of the Lord to to, uh, Mama. Now therefore, please be careful uh, not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazareth to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. That's called the Nazareth vow. Numbers chapter 6 if you want more details on that. John the Baptist was a Nazareth and it means to separate or to consecrate. It means, it means to, for in this particular context, for a season of time that people would say, I'm going to separate myself to God and consecrate my life to Him. And they, uh, the, the qualifications were you could, not, you could not drink anything fermented wine. Uh, you, could not, you could not cut your hair so you had to let it go, uh, which is interesting because when we get to a couple of chapters from now, we'll find out that something happened to Samson's hair because he never cut it his entire life because this Nazareth vow wasn't just for a season, but the angel says for his entire life. 
Uh, uh, and you must not come in contact with a dead body because that will defile you. And so those three things, not to mention not following the law so that you don't come, become defiled. We see consecration in a literal sense. The nation of Israel was consecrated. The priests were consecrated. The instruments within the temple was consecrated. The temple itself was, was a holy place, consecrated, which means set aside for the use of the Lord. Samuel the prophet, do you remember Hannah, who said, if you give me a child, I will consecrate him back to you. And she weaned the son, and then she brought Samuel to the tabernacle, and he served there and became the first of the great line of prophets in the Old Testament. The firstborn son was consecrated to the Lord. So this is a concept that the people of Israel were familiar with, and in this context, this particular king is consecrated for the work of the Lord from his birth. So after 40 years in the wilderness, the children of Israel are about to cross over into the Jordan, into the promised land. Do you remember that when we did our study in, in Joshua? Uh, and there's, in chapter 3, there's an interesting comment that he makes that I want you to get a visual image of this consecration, Old Testament and New Testament. They're about to go into the promised land, and Joshua says, Time out! Before you go, Joshua tells the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you, okay? The people of God were commanded in one respect, which was a very visible way of consecrating themselves, of washing their clothes. Now, that was important in a society that was in the middle of the desert. We get this where there wasn't much water. It was an act of faith to wash your clothes because there wasn't a lot of hygiene happening because water was at a premium. So they had to bathe and change their clothes, not wash their clothes, change their clothes. The bathing and the changing of clothes symbolized a new beginning in the Lord. Zechariah chapter 3, Joshua the high priest is standing before the angel of the Lord, same angel of the Lord we're talking about, and Satan is standing and accusing him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And he sa it says this. It says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, which represents a sinful life. And he was standing there before the angel then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And he said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. Do you see the imagery there? The consecration, the changing of the garments, symbolizing the new thing that God was doing. So in the New Testament example, it's not so much the changing of the garments as it is a change of mind and a change of heart. It says in Colossians 3, the English Standard Version, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And Paul gives some illustration of what that means. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. This is the changing of the garments. Put them all away. Put what away? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Do you see the imagery in the Old Testament? They changed their garments. In the New Testament, it's the putting off of the old self and putting on the new, renewing our minds and our hearts. Verse 10, you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12 says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then he says this. This is New Testament. He says, And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So being consecrated is a critical part of our relationship with God and with those who are seeking and those who are not followers of Christ. Paul tells us this, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As believers in Christ, the act of consecration involves our lives, all of our lives, living a holy life and a sacrificing life to Him. Separated from the defilement of the world, each day we live our lives as holy, as royal priesthood to the glory of God because we are now God's people. We are consecrated. All of us. And we live a life of consecration. All of us. What was the secret of Samson's strength? Which we'll get to. Question. The Holy Spirit. Some might believe it was his hair. No. The hair was symbolic of a relationship. But it was his relationship with God that was the source of his strength. Okay? His consecration was a source of strength too. First his relationship and then his consecration to God. All right. For me, God's relationship to me is the source of my strength. I must pursue consecration because I lose my witness to an unchurched people if I'm not living a consecrated life. It turns out that we, you and I, must live a life of distinction. Because if we're, if the world, those outside of faith in Christ, look at the church and don't see a different, that could keep them from faith. It's a process, but it's not checking off a bunch of things on my list. It is loving God and walking in and choosing to, as it says in Colossians 3, choosing to walk in consecration. 
That's the hard work of sanctification. That is dealing with my sinful heart and choosing to go God's way versus my own way. So here's the big why. Manoah, Samson's father, prays because his wife comes and tells him this whole thing, and he prays for this heavenly visitation. You know, come back. I got some more questions for you. Come back. And the angel of the Lord comes back and reiterates what Samson's mother said about not eating anything that comes from the the vine or not eating anything unclean. And by the way, in this particular case, that meant Samson, but it also meant his mom. And in chapter 13, verse 17 says, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, don't miss that, those are profound words. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. Here's the big why. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. That word means wondrous, incomprehensible. You might be familiar during Christmas season, a, a scripture verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It speaks about a coming king, the Messiah, whose name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Why live this life of consecration? Because it's difficult. It goes against the grain of my flesh, my own desires. We were having a discussion with someone on the strip not too long ago. And he said, the Bible's been corrupted. Now, there's a lot of conversation that we could have had about that. And I thought about this, and I never really said this. The Bible's been corrupted. His context was by the white man. I said, okay, let's... let's Let's not, let's not address that now for the sure sake of time, but let's address this. If the Bible has been corrupted, why didn't they take out some parts that are really hard for me to do? For example, why didn't they corrupt the part that says, love your enemies? Why didn't they take out the part that says, when someone strikes you on one hand or one cheek, give them the other cheek? Why is that in there? Why did they say, love your enemies? Why did they say, if someone takes your, your, your uh, inner garment, give them your outer garment too? Why did it say, if someone says, go a mile, go another, another mile? Why is that still in there? Why does it say, I must love my wife like Christ loved the church? You know how hard that is if I'm having a disagreement or I'm angry? Why does it say be angry and sin not? No, I want to be angry. I have a right to be angry. Why did they not take out the part that says I have to forgive? I don't want to forgive. I want to be angry and bitter, and I want to build a guerrilla team to hate those people too. If the Bible is corrupted, why did they leave that in there? Why? Take that part out. Where's the part that says if someone strikes you with one cheek, 
Boom! Load up! That's the part I want! Oh no, that's not what it says. It's just a question. He didn't have an answer for that. Because we didn't have the time. It was already 10 o'clock at night. And how many of you know I was getting tired? And I was smelling so much marijuana, I was about to faint. If you have, a, have in the past struggled with marijuana, do not go on Las Vegas Boulevard. You will be tempted beyond measure. I was like, look here, man. I got to go. And that's never been a struggle for me. To, I, I, that, that wasn't. I mean, I had my struggles, but I was like, man, I'm not even sure I could pass the sobriety test right now. I'm just trying to drive home. Your officer, I was on the strip, man. Go ahead, man. I got you. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of that, but it's a serious issue. Y'all legalize it. Now what? Anyway, <sighs> see, why live this life of consecration? Why? Why? Ha! It's not easy. But you know what? It's worth it. And because he's wonderful. And he didn't just tell us to live this life and then sit back in heaven and see if we could do it. He lived, he came and he showed us the way. And so I follow Christ. And I don't follow Christ because if I score enough points, I'll get to heaven. I follow Christ because he's wonderful. And because of my relationship with him, I get to heaven because of that. It's worth it, guys, to live a life of distinction. It's worth it. I leave you with this. And before we go, we have some communion tables here because we want to do this every week. And if you'd like to, at the end of our time, Brother David, Brother Richard, I'm going to, Pastor, I'm going to have you guys, if, if you feel like, I just would love to respond to the message and in the form of communion, which is a, which is a covenant meal. It's, a, it's my way of saying, Lord, I'm renewing my, my covenant with you, God, and asking for grace and strength for today. And maybe it's a particular area. Maybe you want to pray with someone, but we want to we make that available to you. And, and I leave you with this. Um, consecration today is preparation for the battles tomorrow. Consecration today is preparation for the battles tomorrow. Samson will have incredible battles, most of which he will lose because he veered from the consecration that he was called to live. So, Lord, you have given us everything we need, not to be perfect. Because then we be God. You've given us everything we need to live a life of consecration. Not so that we can boast or we can brag or we can talk about how solid we are in our walk. No. But so that people might see something distinct about us and ask us why. Why? 
And so, Jesus, we need your help, and we thank you that you are sufficient. And I pray for those here and those watching that if anyone does not have that personal relationship with you, that today they would agree with you, confess their sins, and turn from their wicked ways. And that, Lord, for us who are followers and believers, that, Lord, you would strengthen us and renew every day. Your mercies are renewed every... They're, they're new every morning because we need, we need mercy and grace every day. Lord, I thank you there's no condemnation for those who walk in Christ Jesus. And I thank you you call us to choose to walk in consecration. And so, Father, have your way. Pour out a blessing upon your people. It's been a great morning. Uh, I pray you would redeem the time of, of your dear saints. And I pray that, God, that you would be with us this week as we bring honor and glory to you at fireworks booths. I pray, Lord, that your word would be resonant, that peop- there'd be tons of God. There'd be so many God conversations that we wouldn't be able to track them all. And I pray, Lord, that people would say, you know what, you guys, where's your church? Who's your God? Tell me more about him. So, Lord, prepare us for those conversations as well as the tough questions. Then may we love people and may we be your lights. Not just the boot, the fireworks behind us that light up the sky. Lord, may the greater light be the Son, Jesus. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen.